0: Welcome to the All Souls Parish in Berkeley's sermon podcast. This week we hear from the Reverend Maggie Foote as she preaches from the lectionary, which this week was John chapter 6, 51 to 58. As always, you can find more sermons and information about All Souls at allsoulsparish.org. We'll hope to see you around sometime. It's good to be back with you after being away. Um, I know I've been gone for two weeks, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Jesus is the bread of life. Got it? Uh, I'm not sure if you picked up on that. After all, this is only the third week in a row that Jesus has self-identified as the bread of life, or in our case, the living bread that comes down from heaven. Jesus really doubles down on the imagery in this passage we read this morning, though. Going on to say, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. These are the kinds of lines of scripture that make me wonder what it would be like to hear them for the first time without any frame of reference. I mean, the questions start right there in the passage itself. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Of course, if you belong to a Christian tradition that regularly practices Eucharist or communion, these words, while they may sound a little strange taken out of context, are not entirely out of left field. After all, every Sunday during the Eucharistic prayers, we repeat Jesus' own words Take, eat, this is my body. And drink this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant. But if I hadn't heard these lines almost every Sunday for the past 33 years, I can't imagine that I wouldn't be at least a little put off by the imagery. (laughs) But while I think the parallels to the Eucharist are important here, I think the repeated emphasis on the bread of life in chapter 6 of John's gospel warrants a closer look on its own. So let's take it all the way back to the beginning. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people, you might recognize this passage from around Christmas time, which makes sense. We are celebrating the birth of the Messiah in our midst, and this short preamble to Jesus' life, as it's told in John's Gospel, gives us a sense of how important his birth really is. Jesus is the Word, the Logos, the pattern through which all things come to be. And this Word, this divine life, comes into the world in the very person of Jesus Christ. This is the bedrock on which the entire gospel of John is written. And Jesus does a lot of self-identifying in John's gospel, a lot of trying to explain who he is and how he's related to God. And none of that can or should be separated from this underlying premise, that Jesus is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the Word, has been there since the beginning, and all life comes into being through him. John's gospel is set up, in fact, to reiterate this point. So if we start from that place, then maybe thinking of Jesus as the bread of life starts to sound a little different. Maybe thinking about eating and drinking the flesh and blood of Jesus starts to sound a little less macabre and a little more like taking part in the divine source of all life. I think Jesus talks about participating in this life in such physical terms Because when we are fully connected to the divine, it's more than a theoretical or intellectual experience. Jesus doesn't just want us to understand that he came to offer abundant life to the world. But he wants us to live with him in that abundance. He wants us to orient our lives towards seeking out that life. And when we find it, fully taking it into ourselves and allowing it to nurture us. In John's gospel, Jesus offers himself up as the living bread. We don't see Jesus offer himself in broken bread and shared wine at the Last Supper, the way he does in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He isn't talking about a way to remember him after he dies, like we hear about in the communion prayers. We see him talk about himself as living bread here and now. In chapter six, only part of the way through his earthly ministry. Because Jesus knows that life begets life. Inviting people to take part in the living bread means that they abide in Jesus, and Jesus abides in them. And abiding in Jesus and Jesus abiding in us means that we are made one with the word, the light and the life of all people. Jesus is offering each one of us that which we need to have abundant and eternal life not at some far-off time in the future after we die, but right here and now. So maybe Jesus asking us to eat his flesh and drink his blood isn't so much about what we physically eat, but rather about the way in which we participate in that life. When we take it into ourselves, it becomes a part of us. It courses through us and fundamentally changes us from the inside out. It sustains us, and eventually we start to recognize the need for it on an unconscious level. Just like when we don't eat, and we start to feel a little off, and our body starts to send signals to us that we're hungry. Have you ever been so hungry or thirsty that your primary quest in life was to find food or water? Maybe after a run or a hike that turned out to be a little longer than you expected due to a couple wrong turns or a camping trip that you weren't fully prepared for. Maybe you experienced a time in your life when food wasn't readily available to you. I know it might be hard to imagine for us today in our society when there is a sandwich shop or a convenience store on every corner. But once upon a time, a human being's entire existence was dedicated to finding food, water, and shelter. This is what Jesus is getting at, I think, that the life that he offers to us is so profoundly necessary for our surviving and thriving in this world that when we are cut off from it, we feel it in our bodies, the way we feel hunger or thirst, as well as in our hearts and minds, to the point that we have no choice but to go looking for that bread of life. This begs the question, though, for me at least, well, what does it feel like when we cut ourselves off from Jesus. And if Jesus isn't necessarily talking about physically eating, then how do we fill ourselves up on the word? How do we accept Jesus' invitation to participate in the fullness of life, to feast on his flesh and blood, the living bread that came down from heaven? Frustratingly, I think this is a question that we can only answer each of us for ourselves just like we each have different responses to being hungry. For example, you might feel some might feel sluggish or tired, and others become downright hangry. Personally, the first sign that I've started to orient my life away from the bread of life and toward other things is a lack of wonder and awe. But usually, I don't even pick up on this until some of the other signs start to show up, overworking, lack of attention to my personal relationships and communities, lack of empathy. All of these are are hallmarks of someone who has stopped seeking the bread of life and started seeking things that don't nourish and feed me. And when this starts to happen, I can feel it. Not in the sense that I can reflect on my day and recognize it later, but I can feel it in my body. I don't feel connected to the world. I don't feel at home in my body. I feel numb and dazed. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, "Uh, Maggie, those are just the signs of anxiety or depression. And to that I would say yes, sure, of course. But they are also signs that the living God is inviting me to feast on the bread of life. And I'm too busy filling myself up with other things. And what does that invitation look like? For this, I'll steal a line from our own presiding bishop, Michael Curry. When you're looking for that invitation, Michael Curry would say, if it's not about love, it's not about God. And those invitations that crop up for us in our lives, invitations into loving relationships, into loving communities, into opportunities to share love with the world, into opportunities to fight for a more just and loving society, those are the invitations to the bread of life. And the beauty of those invitations are that they're constant. The invitation to the bread of life is not a one-time offer, or even a limited-time offer. The invitation to commune with the divine is there for the taking at any time and at all times. And when we accept it, it's ours not because Jesus died, but because Jesus is life.